Good morning, King's Arms. Uh, welcome to you all, wherever you are watching us from, wherever you're joining us from. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Tim Brown. I'm a member of two amazing teams at King's Arms, the, the King's Arms youth team and also the pastoral team. And those of you who have joined us over the past couple of weeks will know that we are in the middle of a series uh, called Leaving Lockdown in Wholeness. And the topic that I will be uh, sharing with you this morning is conflict resolution and particularly resolving conflict well. So we're looking at essentially how to equip people to leave lockdown well, what are some of the issues either created by lockdown or magnified during lockdown and issues with which we will most certainly need to deal with as we are released back into the wild of normal life. So why conflict resolution? Why conflict in particular? Well, conflict, disagreement, friction, whatever you want to describe it as, is an almost inevitable aspect of interaction with those strange creatures that we call people. Not to paint too bleak a picture, but unless you've been living the life of a hermit on a remote Scottish island, you will have come into contact with people. Yes, even during lockdown, we have had contact, albeit minimal, with people. And as we all know, as we move back into normal life, that is going to change. And as I say, conflict is an inevitable byproduct in differing degrees of living life in community, which is what we all hope to do. So relationships, family, friends, work, School, big shout out to the KA youth family, can all be sources of friction and they can lead to conflict. And the pain of conflict that is either not resolved or is resolved but not resolved well can be both painful and long lasting. Now I need to manage your expectations here. There are many aspects to good conflict resolution and in reality, it would probably take a whole series to cover them all, and I have just under 20 minutes. So I'm going to concentrate on just one, and the subject on which I'm going to uh, share with you this morning is how to posture your heart when you enter into a situation where conflict has arisen. Now, the good news is that myself and another member of the amazing King's Arms pastoral team, the very wise Philby Kellett, we are preparing a series of materials on the other aspects of conflict resolution, which will be available shortly, so watch this space. Right, so let's look at posturing your heart in a situation where conflict has arisen. Now, I want to start with a confession. I suspect that if you had told my wife, Sarah, 10 years or even five years ago, that I was speaking on a Sunday morning and the topic was conflict, she would have immediately assumed it was how to escalate conflict and how to create chaos. You see, as well as being a member of the pastoral team and the youth team, I am by day a criminal defence lawyer. Yep, that's right, wig, gown, the whole shebang. And anyone who's seen any legal dramas on TV will know that nine to five, I get paid to argue. That's essentially what I do. I argue with fellow lawyers, I argue with witnesses, I argue with the judge, and then I present those arguments 
to a jury of 12 men and women who make a decision on the guilt or innocence of the person that I'm representing. And at the risk of blowing my own trumpet, over the past 25 years, as you can imagine, I've got pretty good at it. I have actually argued, much to my, uh, I don't know whether it's shame or pride, I have actually argued in front of 12 members of a jury and a perfectly sane judge that yes, a big boy really did do it and run away. And again, much to my pride, my arguments were presented so well that they believed me. Now, that's great if you're in a courtroom, that skill set is incredibly useful for a lawyer. The problem is that albeit subconsciously, I carried those same skills, that same skill set, same approach into my personal life. Now I'm convinced that I never actually said to Sarah, I put it to you Mrs Brown, but she swears that I did. Now to be honest, it doesn't really matter whether I did or I didn't, because I might as well have. I would argue, I would argue when I knew I was right, I would argue when I knew I was wrong, and I was good at it, which was great for me, not so good for those people I was in conflict with. Then one day, as I was no doubt waxing lyrical during our latest, let's call it a discussion, Sarah said to me in a very quiet voice, Tim, can you please try to remember that you're not in court? And it was then that the revelation hit me. And the revelation was this, there's a big difference between winning an argument and resolving a conflict. There's a big difference, a big difference between winning an argument and resolving a conflict. So my first suggestion, if you find yourself in a conflict situation is this, ask yourself, do I want to win this argument or do I want to strengthen this relationship? You see, rarely can you do both. And both of those require a totally different skill set. My second point is this. It's okay to disagree. The important thing is not that you disagree with someone. It's how you resolve that disagreement. And a great start is to look inwardly, look at your own heart, before you look outwardly at the behaviour of the other person. Let's look together at Matthew 7, 3 to 5, where Jesus says this. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So what is Jesus saying here? Well, the first thing to notice is that he doesn't say, leave the speck in your brother's eye, leave it. You are to remove that speck. But what he says is that's not the first thing that you do. As always, when Jesus uses a metaphor, he chooses it very carefully. I don't know how you approach trying to get something out of someone's eye, uh, but if you try and do it while there's something in your own eye, then the end result is likely to be two people with eye problems, not just the one. What Jesus is saying here is examine your own heart. Examine your own heart before you take issue with the other person's. Get your own heart right and what follows is likely to go much better than otherwise. The second point he's making is act carefully. Act carefully. You wouldn't try and take a speck out of someone's eye with a hammer 
At least I hope you wouldn't. What would you do? You'd be careful. You'd take your time. You'd go slowly. You'd use a water. You'd use water. You'd use a tissue. You'd be gentle. Ask yourself, firstly, what are the planks that I need to address in my own eye? And they can be many and they can be different for all of us. Fear, anger, disappointment, hurt, past experiences. Jesus is saying here that first we need to be aware of the planks that will affect our behaviour as we go into conflict. And that secondly, we need to be careful. We need to go slowly. We need to be gentle. He's saying we need to be aware of the things in ourselves, and we need to be gentle in the way that we behave to others. So what does that look like? As we look inward at our own heart, what does that look like? Well, in John 13, 34 to 35, Jesus says this, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus' command on the surface seems quite simple. We are to love one another as he as loved us. Now, he doesn't say you're to love each other when you are in agreement or when the other person isn't being annoying or frustrating or even on occasions downright hurtful. The Father loves us unconditionally in all situations, with grace, with kindness, despite our faults, our failings, and importantly, despite our willfulness. And Jesus is saying we need to posture our hearts to love like that in all situations, but especially in conflict situations where, if we're honest, it's very, very difficult. Of course, it can be incredibly tough, especially when the other person's attitude doesn't reflect that love back to us. So how do we deal with those situations? Well, personally, I find the resource of prayer incredibly helpful. And I like to think of the person with whom I'm in conflict as an image bearer. We're all made in the image of God. And I find praying into that idea very helpful. You see, the reality is that thinking badly or wishing ill on someone who bears the image of the Father is incredibly difficult. But we need to posture our heart to think of them that way. Pray into the idea that they bear the image of God and that we are called to love them in the same way that God loves them and loves us. It's important to note again, what we're not called to do is to avoid the conflict. We're not to avoid challenging hurtful behavior. We're not to allow someone to ride roughshod over our feelings in the idea that by doing that, we're loving them. That's not what we're called to do. In fact, we're called to do the opposite. Going back to Matthew 7, the ultimate aim is to remove the speck from both people's eyes, not just our own. You see, it's not about whether we disagree with someone or whether we challenge them. We are called to do both of those things, but we are called to do both of those things with a certain heart. It's how we do it, not that we do it. What is the attitude of our heart? 
going back to my very first point, do we want to win an argument or do we want to heal and strengthen the relationship? You see, we can't heal and strengthen the relationship without dealing with the source of the conflict. It's not about whether we deal with it, it's how we deal with it. So what does love look like in a conflict situation? Well, we have a fantastic description in scripture of what love like, looks like in all situations. And it's particularly helpful when we are entering into a conflict. And it's to be found in an extremely well-known passage, 1 Corinthians 13. And, and, and it says this, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud, it does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And when you see that depiction of what love looks like and how we are called to love one another, whatever the situation, but especially in a conflict situation, then you can't help but agree. Love that looks like that will never fail. The issue is that love doesn't always look like that. We don't always behave like that. Often, conflict escalates because our heart doesn't reflect that image of love. Instead, we ignore Jesus' advice to move slowly, carefully, gently, looking inward. And we speak before reflecting. We speak with the plank still in our own eye. We speak out of a place of hurt and disappointment and sometimes even anger. And when we do that, rather than resolving the conflict, similarly to me using my loyal, loyally skills in my disagreements with Sarah, we escalate the conflict rather than resolve it. When I was growing up as a child in rural Nottinghamshire, um, my mum had a, a favourite saying, and you'll probably all know this, when I used to complain either about what happened to me at school or about a disagreement with my brother, she would say this, sticks and stones can break your bones, but words will never hurt you. And sometimes we act like that, don't we? <clears throat> as long as it falls short of physical violence, anything goes. But the reality is, as I've already alluded to, words can be even more painful than a physical blow. The effects of words used in anger, in the heat of the moment, whether they're meant or not, can be deep and painful and long-lasting. I prefer to reflect on what Proverbs says about the power of our words. Proverbs 12, 18 says this, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Exactly the opposite 
of sticks and stones. Be careful with your words. Keep Jesus' commands at the forefront of your mind as you navigate your way through conflict. You see, our approach to conflict resolution should reflect those amazing words of 1 Corinthians. If in the middle of a disagreement we are patient, kind, humble, honouring rather than dishonouring, slow to anger, if we don't bring up past hurts, always think the best of others, seek to avoid hurtful words and remain hopeful for a positive outcome for both parties and just don't give up on people, then we are posturing our heart well and we are in a much better position to resolve conflict healthily. I'm going to finish with a story of, um, of this in action in my own life. Before we moved to Bedford, Sarah and I lived in South London um, and anyone who's lived in any part of London will know that, that conflict in all kinds of situations um, is a pre pretty frequent occurrence. But I think if you were to pick the biggest source of conflict in everyday life in London, it would be parking. Residential parking. We lived in a residential area where there was no off-road parking, everyone had to park on the road. And as you can imagine, there aren't enough spaces. Two doors away from us lived a man and his family who pretty much kept themselves to themselves um, and who had a drive but didn't have a car. And the drive was full of rubbish and all sorts of things. And in fact, the gate to that drive was kept permanently locked. And at this time, I was working nights and I would get home late and all the parking spaces would have gone. And I came home pretty early one morning before everyone had gone to work, which is when the parking spots freed up. I couldn't find a spot. So what I did was I parked across this drive, safe, I thought, in the knowledge that he wouldn't use it. Before I'd got back to my house, the man came out and literally just started to rant at me about blocking his drive. Now, my first reaction was, you're not even using the drive. And whilst I managed to fall short of swearing, I pretty much let him know what I thought about his selfishness. And I walked off feeling pretty good. I let him have a piece of my mind. And as I turned and I walked away, I just felt God say to me, well, that went well. And I was immediately challenged by my behaviour. So what did I do? I turned round and I went back to the door, which on reflection in South London maybe wasn't the wisest thing to do. And I knocked on the door and the man came to the door and you could tell he thought this was going to be a continuation of the conflict. Instead, I just put my hand out to him and said, I'm really sorry. I apologise for my words. We shook hands. His response, he said, you know what, I don't really mind. It's just the principle of people parking across my drive without asking, I don't really mind. And from that moment, he let me park across his drive. This family who had pretty much kept themselves to themselves, whenever they saw me would wave and we would stop and chat. And just that moment of changing my behavior to him from trying to win an argument about whether it was okay for me to park in front of the drive, but trying to, instead trying to heal the relationship with this chap, just completely transformed 
the situation, transformed the atmosphere. And what could have been an ongoing conflict just melted away in a moment. And I would say to you that as you go into a conflict, just think about the words you're going to use. Think about the emotions that you're experiencing. Deal with those. Follow Jesus' words to be careful, act slowly, be gentle, and conflict resolution becomes way easier. Now, that's not to say that it will always work out, but you are posturing your heart to be in a good position. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you for the fact that you call us to live in community and and you know, Lord, that the issues that that can bring. But I just pray, Father, that as we come across conflict, that we will just follow your example to love unconditionally, to exhibit kindness, gentleness and patience. And yeah, Father, just listen to your promptings as we act out healthily disagreements with those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.